Alrighty, everybody. I hope you have your armor on this evening. I got a message that I believe was given to me by God to give to y'all. Um, there has been a lot that has happened since the last episode. And I'll get into that in a little brief, uh, a little brief episode after this one. So I was sitting watching movies on my Tubi app on the TV with my littlest sister. And there's one movie that stuck out and it was based off the book of Ruth. And there is this scene that I cannot get out of my head. And I believe that the Lord is using that as a message, like inspiration for a message. So I did a little bit of research on it and I figured it might be a nice little mini sermon for you guys. And I'm hoping I'm doing this justice. So um, with that being said, let's go ahead and hop on into it. Well, actually, first, let's pray. That's always the right thing to do first. I'm a, I'm a little bit discombobulated. I had no surgery done on Tuesday, so I'm kind of out of going crazy a little bit. But anyway, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this message uh, that you have given me. And hopefully it reaches the right people and they can use it to the best of their abilities. And it just tugs at their heartstrings in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So. We're going to start with the scenario of what is going on over here in the book of Ruth. Uh, Basically, Ruth presents a story of two women who encounter personal setbacks through no fault of their own. Uh, They are widows. They are physically, emotionally, and financially vulnerable. Uh, It is... Very, very sad. If you have not read it, we're fixing to read it. But, um... Let's go ahead and start with Ruth chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons... And the name of the man was Emelech, and the name of the wife was Naomi, and the name of the two sons, Milan and Shilon. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm not too sure about that. Ephrates of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of, of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha and Orpah, I, I might have butchered that. Um, these old Hebrew names kind of trip me up sometimes. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Milan and Shilon died also, both of them. And the women were left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard that in the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited his people and, and, and has given them bread. Whenever she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. 
The Lord deal kindly with you as he dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that you may make that may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go far away. Uh, go your way. Sorry, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye uh, stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and to her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For from whither thou goest, I will be going, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught be put, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking under her. So the two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they came to Bethlehem, that the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I wept, I, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home, again empty. Why then call me Naomi, saying, The Lord hath, testi uh, hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi, Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, I know I just read all of chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, but I did it for a reason. All right. So I have with me this little study deal where I have all these notes and stuff. And it says, The setting for the story is determined by a drought that occurred in Israel due to the lack of rain and the resulting of poor crops. Amalek took his family to Moab, Israelite's neighbor immediately to the east of the Dead Sea. Despite the drought in Israel, Moab continued to receive its annual rainfall because of the unique topography of the region. Most The moist air moving eastward off the Mediterranean coast rises over the central hill country, usually dropping its moisture in the Judean watershed. However, during times of drought, conditions do not allow moisture in the air to participate in the rainfall, but as the air moving east drops in the depths of the Dead Sea Valley and picks up moisture and then rises up this steep escarpment of the Moabite sea side of the Dead Sea. The moisture in the air falls as rain on the high Moabite plateau. While not a great amount of annual rainfall, Moab did receive a consistent supply of water to raise animals and crops, even in a time of regional, regional drought. So that's the whole reason for them being in Moab at this point. Uh, up until this point. Right? Now, um, it is very upsetting about 
all of them losing their husbands, right? Um, but if you've read the book of Ruth, it gets a lot better. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go over here to my notes over on Naomi's grief. Because this is what stuck out to me, right? Back on chapter 1, verse 20. She says unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Right? She feels like everything is against her at this point. She's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. She's been living in a foreign land because of the drought. And she comes back and she has nothing. Right? She Well, she has something, but she's too upset to see it. She's got probably the most loyal daughter-in-law ever. Right? But she's so upset, she's not really seen it. But, he's not say the... The book's first five verses announce the problem the book must solve. As if living in chaotic times weren't bad enough, a famine arises during the time of the judges. An Israelite family is therefore forced to go live in Moab. This must be a hard decision given Moab and Israel's hatred for one another. There are four persons in the family, Imlech, Naomi, and the two sons, Milan and Shilon. Naomi seems very well set for the future. After all, she has three men to support her. Sadly, her husband dies in verse 3, but she still has her two sons. The sons marry Moabite women, and they settle in the land for ten years. Then Milan and Shilon die. This leaves the three widows and no men to father more sons. Uh, Orpah and Ruth can remarry, but Naomi has no such hope, right? Um, It is very... um, The younger you got married in... Jewish culture the better but I think obviously it had to be past the age of accountability but still Um, she decides to return to her old home Bethlehem and live among her people Naomi advises Orpah and Ruth to go back to Moab and search for new husbands Uh, both younger women weep and profess their loyalty to Naomi they say they will go with her people Naomi tells them she can bear no more sons so they should leave Orpah departs but Ruth clings to Naomi to dis- uh, despite Naomi's accurate assessment of the potential husband pool. Uh, Ruth begs Naomi not to make her go. She even promises to accept Naomi's people and Naomi's God and says only death will separate them in effect. Then Ruth converts to Israelite culture and to the worship of Yahweh. Now I'm getting to where I was going with at this point, but I just want to say how cool is it that even in the most depressing state of her life, Naomi still converted somebody to worship Yahweh. Like, if that doesn't tell you that even in your darkest hour, you're shining a light on somebody, I don't know what does. The women travel to Bethlehem. There, Naomi declares her bitterness at what God has done to her. She once has a husband and sons and now she is left with only Ruth. Barley harvest is beginning, which seems to mirror Naomi's sense that her time of fertility is past. The harvest for the women, however, is actually about to begin. Da-da-da-da. So, basically, 
and this is just me putting my own spin on this thing. They go from the land of plenty, basically. Like they were living it up to a famine where they had to leave, right? There's no water to water in the plants. They had to go. They had to find some place where they can grow crops. And then Naomi's husband dies and she most women when their husband dies right it's very traumatizing for them very upsetting they're already in like one of the deepest amounts of emotional turmoil right so a little while down the road her sons marry off and then a little while down the road, they die, right? Now, losing one kid, and of course I never had kids, so I can't really tell you this from my personal experience, but by what I've heard, losing one kid is another case of emotional turmoil. But yet alone, she lost both sons in the same time period after having already lost her husband. So she has lost so much within like 10 years that most people would probably have flipped out um, probably gone through a deep dark depression and maybe in today's society self-harm but it doesn't say anything about self-harm in the book right and she is so distraught that when she finally does get back to Bethlehem, she is so mad, or so upset, probably not really mad, she's so upset with God that um, she changes her name. Changes her name to Mara, and Mara basically means bitter according to the old Hebrew origin, right? So, it's a direct expressive of how she feels about everything that's happened to her, the losses of her sons, the famine, etc. And she's taking her her foreigner daughter-in-law, which happens to be from the country that is feuding with her hometown, back to her hometown. And uh, you would think, of course, there would be a lot of a lot of nasty going on about that. And thankfully, I don't see any signs of bullying for the most part. And um, it's just a lot that weighed on Naomi, right? She is going through all this, and despite that, she still manages to convert Ruth. She still keeps the faith, right? And in chapter 4, lo and behold, she finally gets a grandson. And she gets to be an active part of raising the grandson, right? So in conclusion, it says, How did these women survive their personal tragedies? They remained faithful to each other. They trusted in God who provided Boaz to care for them. They also used their own wits and ingenuity to achieve their desired results. Thus... 
they are the sorts of wise persons Proverbs has just been trying to produce. Far from being helpless with God's help and their own daring, they are a capable duo. Their success encourages others in distress. The fact that God uses Ruth to help produce David shows that even seemingly obscure persons can be used for eternal glory. Now, if that isn't something to scream and shout about, I don't know what is, right? Their story of their doom and gloom is literally the motivation for a lot of young adult women and even uh, senior citizens, right? They've been going through all this. Of course, um, it's very tragic. It is very, very tragic. But God had a plan when it all started. God had a plan before it started, and he had a plan after it started. King David would have probably been quite a bit different had Ruth never married Boaz. I'm not going to say he wouldn't be here because God would make a way. But because of Ruth and Boaz's son, Obed, I'm probably butchering the name, it's O-B-E-D, that is David's grandfather. Now, that is like all this happened during Israel's rough rough history how cool is it for Naomi and Ruth to be a major part of Israel's history and for four chapters of the Bible it is a very important four chapters of the Bible right um I definitely recommend reading the whole four chapters. Shouldn't take but 20, 30 minutes. Um, it's a really, really good book. Anyway. So, I hope this is not just me rambling on. Um, I know I'm going through my little survey book over here. And my notes and my Bible. And reading to you what basically I've studied after being inspired a little bit. And until I get my seminary degree or my um, my ordination from the PCG, um, basically everything I study I'm going to share with you guys. And this is probably the first one I'm going to share with you all. Um, I got some others. I'm going to do, I have one very important one. I think I'm going to upload tomorrow. Maybe start, actually, I'm not going to do it tomorrow. I'm probably going to do it on Wednesday. That way I have time to do the, uh, do the study myself and pray about it and everything. But, uh, I hope this has been very beneficial and not me just rambling. Um, so we're going to go out with a word of prayer. If you have any prayer requests, you can put this, your prayer requests in the comments. Um, I believe you should be able to reply to this. I set up a questions deal. You can just be like, Hey, can you pray for me for this? Right. I 
I do have a couple things myself that I would like to have prayer for. Um, trying to get ordained through the PCG. Um, I get my tubes taken out of my nose on Tuesday. My grandpa is in rough health shape. Right? Uh, he only has about 30% of his kidneys functioning, but they can't do anything until he gets his blood platelets up. So he's kind of in a bit of a pickle at the moment. And also I need to come up with the money to get my roof fixed at my house. Cause ever since the tornado came through back in April, I've had a leak and FEMA has not helped me hardly at all. They only gave me like two out of $15,000. That I needed from the the cheapest quote was $15,000 and I need that kind of uh, so I need to come up with that money anyway so if you'll keep me in your prayers on those I'd greatly appreciate it with that being said let's go ahead and close out in prayer dear Heavenly Father thank you for this wonderful message I hope it was more beneficial than it was me rambling um, I know it's kind of been like me bouncing off of several different items over here. But there's so much to go on just these four chapters. And I'm just trying to focus on not letting our grief control us, right? She could have easily caved. and could have easily just gone off the deep end. And she kept her faith in you. And... That has given us an example of what to live by now. So I thank you for allowing that to be in the Bible and allowing us to talk about it today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, with that being said, that is going to be the end of today's episode. And I wish y'all the best. God bless y'all, and y'all take care.